September 11, 2001, a day that will never be forgotten. On that day, 2,977 Americans were killed in a series of horrific terrorist attacks. Thousands more would die in ensuing years because of their exposure to toxic substances at Ground Zero. The attack had a profound impact on America's law enforcement, from forcing state and local agencies to shift their priorities. It also was a catalyst behind the formation of the Department of Homeland Security. Today, we're joined by Mike Essig, president of the New York State Fraternal Order of Police. Mike has over 30 years of law enforcement experience and currently serves as a deputy sheriff in Rockland County in its anti-terrorism analytical group. I'm Patrick Yost, national president of Fraternal Order Police, and this is The Blue View. Mike, thanks for joining us on The Blue View uh, to talk about uh, some, I guess, you know, we all have those 9-11 experiences. Before we get into that, uh, tell, uh, tell our viewers and our listeners a little bit about you. Well, thank you, Pat, and good afternoon to you. Um, so I've had 33 years of law enforcement experience in the state of New York from uh, different agencies that I've uh, worked with. Uh, my most recent, since uh, I retired and came back, was uh, with the Rockland County Deputy Sheriff's Analytical Group on uh, anti-terrorism. Uh, this group was formed in uh, right after 9-11 uh, to basically combat and basically see what happens in the county and what we consider zone one and which area covers our Hudson Valley, which is just uh, one suburb above the city of New York. Um, prior to that, um, I was a councilman, which actually, while I was a councilman, I was um, given the opportunity to oversee the police department in my town, which uh, they uh, gave me the ability to be the commissioner, which uh, I was able to see uh, assist with the day-to-day -day operations with that department. Uh, moving back a little further in my career, um, I worked with uh, what was the formal, formerly uh, the 19th Congressional District, uh, where Nan Hayworth was a congresswoman. Uh, she had me oversee her Homeland Security uh, Committee, which uh, basically worked with uh, local agencies and to see, um, you know, what we could do to assist with them in regards to anything that would be relating to uh, maybe funds that could come in from the uh, federal district where they could assist and help with the communities and assisting the local departments if it was for upgrading on data, upgrading on computer work, computer software, uh, bulletproof vests, um, technology, all of the above and a little bit more. Uh, prior to that, I, um, I, I worked with, uh, in, I worked in Westchester County for a very large portion of my career uh, in all assets and facets of uh, law enforcement. So um, brings me back to where I am today. Um, being pretty much, uh, I've had tools in all different areas and uh, what we do, like I said, in Rockland County is basically keeping track of what goes on in our community uh, for day to day and to make sure that the community is safe and the officers have what they need to operate day to day. And you're also the uh, New York state president of the Fraternal Order of Police. Uh, that, that in itself keeps your hands full, correct? Y yes. And uh, thank you for bringing that in. Yeah, I started out, uh, I've had over 20, uh, 20 plus years in law enforcement. I've been sitting on the, the state executive board for almost 17 of that. For the last eight years, I'm in my eighth year now as a state president. Uh, I worked with many, uh, many board members that obviously you know throughout your term in the uh, Fraternal Order Police, and uh, I've learned and I've uh, I've grown and you know I've come up the chairs as anybody else would do it. 
uh, you do it the right way. You go through the chairs. Uh, you just don't jump all the way up to the top. And uh, today I do. I said today as the president of New York State Fraternal Police, very proud of that, uh, proud of my position, proud of the organization, proud of the Fraternal Order Police, and proud of what we accomplished here in New York uh, under, under, of course, my leadership. And of course, now as you, the uh, national president, under your leadership as well. Yeah. Well, you know, Mike, uh, you know, we're here today to talk about, uh, I guess, a, a very solemn event that happened in American history. Uh, I can tell you where I was, and we all have our stories of uh, of 9-11, where we were when we, when, we, when we learned that our nation was under attack. I was directing traffic. Uh, I stopped, got back into my police car, and I can hear him on the radio talking about a small plane hitting the, uh, the World Trade Center. And I worked my way over to the office, turned on the TV, and saw the video footage of it and said, that's not a small plane. And then uh, that day, just everything kept unfolding and, you know, a very dark day in American history. As a law enforcement officer in New York, uh, I, I had, you know, I was uh, a thousand miles away down in New Orleans uh, at, at, on that day. But we were all New Yorkers that day. Uh, we all came together as a nation. And, and uh, as someone working in law enforcement in New York on 9-11, uh, tell me about your day and, and, and just your experience. And the experience of your members. So I think there's not going to be a person today that does not recall that day. That's a day that, you know, there's a, you know, our former president, um, um, Roosevelt, basically said, um, you know, a day will live in infamy. I mean, everybody knows that day. Um, I, I actually had a mutual swap. And in law enforcement, we know what mutual swaps are, that, you know, you have somebody else work your, your day for you that day, so you had something to do. Uh, I was actually, I was actually sleeping and my wife came in the room and she woke up and she goes, you know, a plane just hit the World Trade Center. I mean, the tower. And I was like, what? And she was like, you know, you're waking up, you're a little groggy. And she said, a plane just hit, you know, in New York City, in Manhattan. And we lived about at the time, we lived uh, 25 minutes out of New York City. We lived in a, a suburb in Rockland County. Um, and... Uh, Okay, so I turned the TV on and, you know, that's showing, you know, from every channel, you know, from all our channels. And before you know it, a second plane hit the uh, next tower. And then, you know, in the back of your mind is like, what's going on? You know, it, it, you know, you know, in law enforcement and, you know, you're like, what? The first one, maybe an accident. The second one, that's not an accident. And, you know, from every media outlet was just going crazy, you know, reporting here, reporting there. And you just really didn't know. And then obviously we didn't have the technology we do today when, you know, you could just pick up your phones or, or you know, shoot a quick text here, quick text, you know, technology was a little slow back then. And I do recall, you know, actually having some phone conversations with a couple of uh, colleagues of mine and some friends and saying, you know, it's weird, just, just weird. And then people like, you know, you're going down, you're going down, we going down, you know, what's going on? You know, people were waiting, like, you know, what do we do? And it really what it was is like, it was more of a fear, a fear of what's coming next. And then you heard about Pennsylvania. Then you heard about DC. And, you know, people like, wait a minute, what the hell is going on? You know, it, it, it's really, it brings a chill back into my body now. And maybe some people who may see this will bring a chill as well. Um, because it, it just, it just wasn't something we ever, ever thought in our mind in our wildest imagination that something like this could happen. And then later that day, a group of us and some other local departments decided that's it. We're going to take a ride into the city. And we did. Um, I, I landed, uh, I, I got into Manhattan probably around five o'clock that afternoon. 
and um, it was just chaotic. Uh, it was just, it was just, you, you could only go so far uh, with all the, uh, the amount of rubbish, the amount of stuff on the ground. There was nowhere really you could even really, you know, push yourself towards. Um, it was more on foot. Um, your car pretty much stopped at a certain part of, um, pretty much you couldn't go lower than, you know, I don't even know the streets if I recall now, thinking about how far we went down. And we got out and, you know, everybody started walking and, you know, you see, you know, so many people uh, just all over the place, um, you know, and, and we thank and, 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 and let me say this, the amount of people you met. And as I remember coming down towards Chamber Street, I remember that. I mean, the amount of people we met was just incredible from and like, how did they get there so fast? You know, people from all over the country was like, you know, we had to come. We had to help. And I'm like, wow. And I only live like, you know, like I said, you know, a half hour away and these people got here before I did and everybody was there and, you know, they would willing to, you know, just lift anything, you know, you know, move anything, it, it, whatever debris was there, people were trying to move, you know, to look for, obviously we were looking for people. Um, you know, there was, um, they tried to make up some command center, uh, command centers were established. Um, they tried to put people in certain avenues to, you know, to see what's going on. But again, it was a very chaotic situation. Um, and there's one thing I think everybody who was there is going to understand this. It was the smell. That smell will never leave us. Um, it's a smell that stays with us even till today. That, um, you know, we have a thing, um, you know, it's a 9-11 monitoring system uh, that we actually go. The federal government set up that basically we go and we monitor ourselves. And, um, you know, I just went a couple of weeks ago and, um, you know, you hope and thank God that all your tests come back, you know, okay, you know, for, for the time being. And, um, it's just something that, you know, we have to live with now. It's, it's just part of us and we're going to be 21 years in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some 3000 lives lost that day. Uh, you know, if, 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 if the terrorists thought they were going to change America, they did because that given day, I don't think there was a single house in this country that didn't have a flag flying in front of it. And it, it united us all, uh, between towards that common goal, uh, you know, when knowing that we were attacked and, and we were all Americans, we're all New Yorkers that day. I, I, t I tell you an interesting story. Uh, you know, later on that day, uh, local news channel was, uh, uh, in new Orleans was, was talking to people on the street and they had a, uh, uh, an officer from, from New York who just happened to be on vacation in New Orleans and couldn't get back because the air where all the airlines were shut down. And, uh, I ended up tracking him down, uh, and, uh, did a, <laughs> did a convoy, I guess a ferry. And I, I brought him to Alabama, the state president, of Alabama picked him up and brought him a little further to Georgia and Georgia did the same thing until we got him all the way home. Uh, I think everybody kind of pulled together and, and, and recognized the, uh, not not just the ground zero was was in new york but uh, but it, it certainly had uh it shook the very core of every american you know mike i'd like to talk you know i, I know that that uh, there are a lot of things i want to cover here i, I want to cover how law enforcement has changed i want to cover the challenges we still face because of uh of those officers that are you know those people that were there on ground zero and how they affected about it and then i, I want to also talk about the the service that you host every year in remembrance of 9-11. Uh, 
Uh, so uh, let's talk a little bit first about how law enforcement has changed. I, you know, I've always said that in law enforcement, we do a pretty good job of planning because we plan based off of an expectation of, uh, of what's our worst case scenario. And, uh, you know, that worst case scenario is kind of in your head. What, what, what can it be? What could it possibly be? We, we tend to, to look at previous events and say, okay, this is it. We need to plan a little better for it. But 9-11 was off the charts. Uh, the incident, the, the, the things that happened that day, the terrorist attacks at multiple fronts and, and just the loss of life and just the, uh, just the destruction that occurred caused us as a, as a profession uh, to rethink the way that we do business, the way that we share information, uh, the way that we connect those dots, because it turns out uh, in this particular uh, instance, there were probably a lot of indicators there, but because no one was putting them all together in one big picture, we, we didn't see what was happening. Talk a little bit about on your perspective of, uh, of how law enforcement has changed in New York and across the country for that matter, uh, because of lessons we learned from, from 9-11. Well, let, let's take it back a little bit more about 9-11. Weeks after, everybody was a hero. First responders were loved. Everybody wanted to wear a law enforcement or a department t-shirt. Everybody wanted to, like you said, wave American flags everywhere. People from all over the country, matter of fact, all over the world, just wanted to make sure, did you need water? Do you need something to eat? You know, clothing, anything. I mean, they were there. They, they came out and, you know, we have a thing in New York that, you know, and it's pretty much said that we will never forget. And it's something we just will never forget. I mean, it's, it's been the trademark model, been the logo, been the insignia, it's been everything we use. We will never forget. And, um, you know, 72 law enforcement officers perished that day where, you know, and, and, and among, you know, thousands and thousands of other Americans, but in law enforcement, we lost 72, you know, 343 firefighters and, and, you know, and so on of United States citizens. But let's look at how many people have perished since. Um, we have 300 law enforcement officers since, and we're into our 21st year, that have passed on because of the illness they succumb of working on the pile, working somewhere in the grand zero, ground zero. And it's just the toxic that's, you know, in our bodies now. And the change in law enforcement is just take a good look. You know, the last six years, you know, respect of law enforcement is out the window. You know, if it was, and 9-11 and is pretty much, unless you're in the law enforcement profession or if you lost somebody in 9-11 or to 9-11, you keep remembering it. It's pretty much forgotten about in some regards. In, in our profession, it's not because we still have to remember and we still have to live with and and the fact of we have to prevent cough a bit nothing like this ever happens again in that room and that's why you have all these homeland securities you have you have all these entities that were put together with the best best top law enforcement officers and minds and data you could put together to basically stop and and take a look now with social media apps we didn't have that 21 years ago the social media apps are just way advanced that there's so much on, which could help us and hurt us at the same regard. But, you know, listen, we'll always have our finger on the pulse. We'll always be ready to go. And we'll always do what we are supposed to do to protect the American citizens and to protect our communities. But, you know, it, it takes the people. It takes the average person in the community to tell us. And that's what came from it. You know, if you see something, say something. And, and that's where that came from. 
because we did not know unless somebody tells us. And, and take a look at this. Since 9-11, since it, you can't over you can never go to a, an airlines gate anymore, right? We're stopped. Prior to 9-11, you can just walk up to a gate and meet anybody in airlines. Traveling in a subway, your bags are checked. A whole world has changed since 9-11. Security has ramped up. We're always, always ready for anything. Take a look at New Year's Eve. You want to come to New York City for New Year's Eve, you're going to go through a security check. And you're going to sit there. You go anywhere, you're going to go through a security check. It's just, it's the way we live our life now. And there's, you know, you look at the kids that graduated and they went to school right before, right after 9-11. That's their life. They only know that. You know, we who are older, we understand the way the world used to be. That's not the way it is any longer. Yeah, we call that the new norm. Yeah. It's the new normal. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it certainly changed pretty much every aspect of our life and, and not just here abroad. Uh, it just uh, made us take a, a, a good look at, uh, you know, what just, I guess, the evil that exists in our world and be prepared for it and, and, and minimize it by, by, uh, I, I, it's probably if there's a, if there's something we can point to, there's definitely a change in the way of intelligence and how that information is shared. Uh, something that, uh, that our profession uh, became, I guess, a, a very, uh, possessive in the fact that, uh, agencies did not share information uh, between themselves. Uh, and it turns out if had they done so, we, we may have seen a picture of this, uh, maybe sooner. So, uh, definitely, definitely some good changes and trends in law enforcement, but you know, Mike, you, you brought up, uh, the, the reality, you know, it's hard not to, to, to say nine 11 and not have images of firemen running into a building that they know is getting ready to collapse. I just the the, the, the heroism. It, it speaks of of who first responders, firemen, and, and 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 police officers were running in, trying to make a difference at a time when they, you know, just uh, uh, even after seeing one one building collapse, the reality was there. Yet uh, the heroism that that existed that day, uh, truly truly shows the spirit of first responders and who they are and what's in their DNA. Uh, and, and, you know, those are, uh, we know, we know who went into the building and we honored those, uh, those officers. And you mentioned the numbers that they're staggering numbers of the amount of loss of life of, of just first responders to, you know, make up that, that three, almost 3000 that day. But this is the, uh, this is the incident that, that keeps taking lives of first responders. Uh, there were so many people that rushed to help and searched the pile and worked the pile that are dealing with so many metal, uh, so many medical illnesses, uh, this date. And, uh, as you mentioned, how many we've lost and every year at our memorial service in Washington, DC, uh, we call off the names of, of yet new officers that are being added to that list. And it just continues and continues. Talk, tell us a little bit about, about, I guess the living with the fear, living with the understanding that uh, there are a lot of people that are affected that went to that pile that potentially uh, are in the same position. And, and not only that, those who didn't and how they've it's changed, you know, it's just changed their families' lives because they were first responders and put, put other people first. Just a, that sacrifice. Uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about that. When you look back, you know, when you meet, uh, you know, say we have a meeting or a bunch of guys get together, you know, just 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 in general. Conversations now are about how do you feel and, you know, what you've gone through. And, you know, it's not more of stories of what you did during 9-11. It's more like how are you feeling today uh, since 9-11. And, you know, it, it's a very it's a very different 
conversation you have year in and year out with different individuals or people that you just get to meet and you'd be like, oh, man, I, you know, I can't believe what you've gone through or what, you know, or you find out someone has passed on because of it or they succumb to their illness of 9-11. And, and, and you say this exactly. It, it takes. It's it's very different. It's a different kind of person to get up every day in the morning or in the evening or whatever shift you work and you're going to you're going to put on that that uniform and knowing you're going to go into danger now no one ever expected that kind of danger but no everybody ran into that building a fireman to a police officer and some civilians ran into that building not knowing what would ever happen and unfortunately it did and you know today you know we we sit here you know community policing has changed from prior to 9-11 to now post and you know we do different aspects or we do a different kind of roll call we do different things that we wouldn't do you know prior and you know there's always something new coming up you know uh some other kind of intel or something of that nature that you have to be on the lookout for and 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 i think right now i think majority of people that are fighting an illness of 9-11 has come to the understanding that I would say they're they're comfortable knowing that they did what they had to do that day for their job. Um, whatever the politics aside, you put past it. You know, we had a job to do, and everybody did their job, and and I think everybody's proud of what they did. And it's and it's very sad. You know, we we lost good people, very very good people, and everybody has a story, and every name there's a story attached to it. And I know you have seen what we have here in New York when it comes to our police memorial. And when we have it in Washington, D.C. as well. And our wall reflects the D.C. memorial wall here in New York. And every year, names are being added who have now, unfortunately, succumbed to the illness of 9-11. And these are, you know, being approved uh, and their families are now, you know, coping with the loss. And we do our best here in New York State and the New York State FOP to assist those families, whatever we could do to make it as easy and to let them know that we didn't forget their loved one and their brother out being a brother or sister. We didn't forget them. And they'll always be in our hearts here in New York State FOP. That's 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 what I said earlier. We will never forget. And we'll just keep doing that. Um, it happened prior to me when the past administration to me and after I'm gone to the next administration, we will not forget. Yeah, it's, our, it's our obligation as a free society to never forget the sacrifice of those that have, that have laid their lives down to, for the, for the protections and uh, quality of life we have uh, in America. Yeah. You know, Mike, I, I, I know that uh, I'm a t I am want to talk about a travesty. Just, I guess nothing more than just in passing to say that it is a, there are so many people rushed into that building and so many people that rushed to that pile and spent so much time searching and, and dealing with illnesses that uh, it, it, it is a travesty to think of how long it took for Congress to recognize the, uh, the sacrifice of, of those that were dying from, from uh, 9-11 related illnesses. Uh, and I'm just very proud of the FOP to, to have been a, uh, been a force in working with that to, to, to do 
simply what is the right thing to do and recognize uh, the contribution of, of people who put themselves before, uh, you know, put, put their, put their, their community uh, before themselves. When we were fighting to try to get things approved, you know, it was the first officer Zadroga, and that's why we called it the Zadroga act. And that was the passing of a bill that assisted us in the 9-11 for our 9-11 monitoring. And if you recall a couple of years ago with Luis Alvarez, who had to go in front of the Senate again and speak and, and, and Lou passed uh, a few years ago where again, his name was put on this wall here in, in, in front of our FOP building with his family present. These officers made the ultimate sacrifice, but made it more because it was things that they had to fight just to get assistance, just to get help. So, you know, these are names that we remember that helped us, you know, get these bills passed to give us um, monitoring, to get us better help, better, better health, because we're all suffering from something from 9-11. We all have something inside us, you know, no matter what we touched, what we breathe, what we breathe, you know, the breathing, what we, you know, what we, uh, the air, we have no idea. So, so Mike, I know every year, uh, since, uh, since this incident occurred, um, the fraternal order police has held a uh, head of remembrance, uh, on nine 11. Could you talk a little bit about that and what's, what y'all are going to do this year? So always the first Saturday in May, um, here in front of our in front of our headquarters in the FOP building in New York, we have a large memorial uh, where over 1,700 names are etched on a wall. And the worst thing we ever want is another name. And unfortunately, it just it just can't happen. There'll always be one name because it's not a time that we don't get an email or a message that says another name will be added. And I, and I want, you know, between the, the national fraternal police auxiliary for helping us and assisting us when we get the information as well as the national law enforcement memorial fund, they're also, um, uh, a help with us. Um, when we track down names and archives, archives are a very big thing as well, because we can't forget people that have made the ultimate sacrifice that deserve to be on the wall. And so we'll have a memorial um, the Saturday before police week always. And then after that, we'll make our way down to DC where the names will be read again. And while that's here, um, we have a very large memorial where the families are invited. Um, they come, they get to, uh, the names are called of their family loved ones. They come up, they place a rose by the name, they get to etch the name. Um, they basically get a miniature pin of basically the medal that you guys at the National give them in D.C. Uh, and then basically what will happen is we'll um, sit down and have uh, a little lunch with them and get to know the families and, and see what we could do for the families in the future. Um, and we, we extend that invitation to families from the past um, even further. I mean, prior to 9-11 or if they died just in the line of duty or have died in any other form. Um, which was approved um, to be put on the wall, and it's not just 9/11. I just want to make you know perfect, you know, perfectly clear that you know if in law enforcement that you have paid the ultimate sacrifice, your name will be added to the wall in the New York State Fraternal Police Memorial Building, and that that means a lot to us. Any member of the New York State Fraternal Police, um, we do our 
very best to just make sure that that family knows that they're never alone, that they're part of our family and we're part of theirs. You know, Mike, I had the opportunity just uh, just a few weeks ago to visit that memorial with you. And uh, the striking thing that, uh, and I see a lot of memorials across this country. The striking thing is, is, uh, is the amount of names and the size of that memorial. And you and I, the conversation we had about it's not going to be long before you're going to have to expand the memorial just to fit the names, uh, just, uh, just staggering the amount of people who, uh, I, it, it, it's, it's our, it's our responsibility as a free society to not forget, never forget the sacrifice they and their families made in the, uh, in the way of life that we all, we all uh, cherish today. It, uh, it, it had a price. And, uh, uh, what was that number in New York alone? 17, like 1723. 1723 names just in New York alone that have given their life. Uh, and let me say that that also has something to do with archives. You know, we take that back to the late 1800s, early 1900s. You know, we have archives that go back, you know, and that gets approved. And, you know, we just keep adding. But um, to go back, you know, 372 that perished just on 9 11. And if you saw, we have the panel. One panel alone is just dedicated to the officer that did perish on 9 11. Yeah. Um, and it's um, if any officer or anybody, anybody for that matter, wants to really see the wall, it'll bring a tear to your eye and it'll, it'll hurt you. It, it, it's something that when I first saw it as a member of the Fraternal Order Police, I did not really realize until you see a family member. And, and, and that that right there, when we come in or some of us, when we come into the office, um, you know, we notice that uh, somebody be etching a name. Um, off the wall, or we see a teddy bear or a rose, and we just leave it there until we pick it up, and then we bring it downstairs, and we hold on to that in a box for a good amount of time. And that's what I say, you know, if anybody, you know, in law enforcement, FOP, or anybody that wants to be able to come by and just take a look, um, it'll bring a, it'll bring a tear and it'll hurt you in the heart somewhat. When I first came on this board. I didn't understand the memorial that much until I actually started to come to the ceremony and realize and see the families. You know, we all go to memorials, we all go to funerals, but when you see the families come up and they know their family member's name is etched in there forever, that's a touching feeling. That's a, that's something that you witness and it, it stays with you for a while. I remember one family and I, I'll, I'm not gonna say the name, um, of a wife and a, and, a, and a small child, which was, which was the officer's daughter. Um, she came over to me. She put her, she like hugged my leg and said, thank you. And I said, you don't need to thank me. And she's like, no, my daddy's name's on the wall. I want to thank you. I said, no, let me thank you. Let me thank you for your father. Cause your father made the ultimate sacrifice for us. So we could be here today. And you give the family a hug and it's just special. It's just special. And, you know, kids don't understand, but when they grow up, they will. They'll know that their parents are heroes. And that's what they are. They're heroes. Every one of those names on the wall is a hero. In my eyes, they are. They're heroes. Uh, absolutely. And I, and I thank you for, for New York for the, for the fine tribute that you do for our fall. And, and, and Mike, thank you for all that you do. Uh, this is some Take a break. Take a deep breath. If it was just somebody to just give us something to eat during that time was a lot. And uh, here in New York, we just want to say thank you. And again, we will never forget. 
Well, Mike, thank you. I uh, look forward to, to the tribute that you do again this year and, uh, and remembering our, our fallen and those who, who still struggle uh, from 9-11. So, and to our viewers uh, and our listeners on, uh, on the Blue View, thank you for joining in and uh, listening to the things that are important to the men and women of law enforcement who suit up and show up every single day in communities across this country. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else to get your podcasts. To get the latest from the National FOP, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at GLFOP and on Instagram at FOP National. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.